Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. doing this since you've been playing with Barbies. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? I'm Alec Evan Baldwin. <laughs> oh, I bet that's how it played out. I think Alec is going to jail. Maybe three years from now, but one can hope. Uh, you know that camera was probably running. And we haven't seen it yet because it's evidence. And I just wonder if we're ever going to see that footage. Anyway. <laughs> wonder if we'll ever see it. Anyway, surprise, we're doing ambush YouTubing today. Uh, I told you last week I was going to be changing times. I uh, thought maybe 6 p.m., but hey, you know, we got the whole day. You can't let it burn away, so we might do might as well do it earlier in the afternoon. So maybe I'll slur less words because I'm not drinking. It's only 2 p.m. Come on. You think I'm an alcoholic or something? Anyway, uh, so yeah, I just want to... Our new time is probably going to be 2 p.m. here every Wednesday here on Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. I also have a cash app. You can use hashtag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. I would appreciate it very much. So who's the weirdo next to you, madman? Well, this is Robert Allshouse. Allshouse? Yes, sir. Is that some sort of a German word? Yeah, it's German. It means, uh, in German it means old house. Okay. And, uh, it's kind of what i kind of been running with, uh, I started a skateboard company this year. Oh, awesome. It's that's that's why wondering. you're here. Now I remember. Now I remember that's why you're here. So you design skateboards? Yeah, it's actually something I've been doing since I was five. When I couldn't afford a professional skateboard, I'd go get a Walmart one, sand that shit down, and paint it myself. Nice. So when I was seven, everybody asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. Sure. I told everybody I wanted to have my own skateboard company because I knew I'd never be a professional. Just kind of more realistic <laughs> to their standards. You, well, didn't, you didn't think you can go the, go the distance? I, I never, it's not like I didn't think I could. It was always uh, people telling me I couldn't. So I got it in my mind that I couldn't. Uh, but now here it is. I do have my own skateboard company. I have my own skate team. And I'm also sponsored myself. So it's killing two birds with one stone. Like skate team, right? Yes, sir. That's nice. It's called Knights of the Old House. All right. And so uh, where, can we, where can we go to find your stuff? Oldhouseskateboards.com. Yeah, or you can follow me on all social media. Oldhouse old Skateboards. And that's Old House is all one word? Old House, all one word. Skateboards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just uh, just subscribed to your YouTube channel. You may have stuff coming. More stuff coming. Uh, more stuff is coming on the way. I. Uh, it's just kind of cold here in Virginia right this second. Yeah, it's so not skating weather. It's, it's not, not at skating all. weather. With no indoor park, it's really not skating weather. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? In five years, I see myself traveling around the United States, uh, if not even the United States, maybe even the world, building a team, uh, seeing the world, and, and just having life and experiencing life. Sure, absolutely. That's awesome. Maybe get a, like a big, big van or something like that, or a big uh, RV is what I've been RV, kind of, yeah. RV or a transit camper van is what I've been shooting for. But right now, since they're how the economy is, buying an RV is not the time. To yep, do not it. not right now, not right now. But you know, Bitcoin maybe. Bitcoin. Yeah, I've been working <laughs> on that Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool deal. So you you skate yourself, huh? Yes, sir. I've been doing this uh, 18 years since I was five years old. Started kindergarten and met my best friend, and we both got skateboards. You know, I, I started skateboarding after in 1985 when 
Back to the Future came out. Uh, I think a lot of people in my generation did at that time. It's also right when Tony Hawk was in its prime, too. Uh, yeah, 85. Yeah. 85? Yeah. It, it, it's funny because, you know, he's older than me. <laughs> and Dad's like, how old is that guy? And he's still doing it, God bless him. He was just at the new DC skate park, um, I think a month or two ago, shredding it out when they just built it up. So awesome. he was over here on the east side not too long ago. You know, I always wanted to, if I were, like, rich enough, you know, to where I, didn't, I could do anything I want, I was like, I would want to go to every single baseball park in the country, mm-hmm. you know. But I think maybe in five years, you could be at a point where you got an RV and you're going to every single skate park you can find in the country. That's that's kind that of what I wanted fun. to do, is just yeah. travel to skate parks, do skate park review videos, do uh, skate school videos. Since Mike V, growing up, we had a, on like, when DirecTV had the on-demand when it first came out, I remember when it first came out, that's how old I am. That <laughs> um, there was a sports school, and one of them, Mike Vallely, he was one of the oldest uh, professional skateboarders that I grew up looking up to on Element with Bam Margera and everybody. He yeah. taught us how to do everything. You know, went from ollie, how to ride, how to set up a skateboard, and I kind of want to do the same since it's no longer a big thing for people. Uh, since you brought it up, I never could ollie. I tried so hard. I practiced so hard. I couldn't do it, man. I can teach you how to ollie in one hour. I uh, promise no. you. No, I'll break your skateboard. The, uh... <clears throat> So you have several different designs. Hey, EK, is it possible to pull up his website in the back? Yeah. You have several designs. There's one I really like. Uh, actually, there's two I really like. Old House Skateboards. I don't know if you can scroll down further where he has some of his designs. Like that that one right there on the, <laughs> that, this side. <laughs> I like that one. DMT Trip Board number one. Yeah. And yeah, those are the two I like. And that one, that's just beautiful. Thank you. That, that actually, those two took me the least amount of time to make, believe it or not. Yeah. And you also got up, like me, hats and hoodies and stuff like that. And I just uploaded them. I'll be adding new artwork and new clothing, new boards, all like that, uh, starting next month. Awesome. Awesome. So how much are we talking about here to get get a skateboard from you? Uh all my prices are right there on the on you know, on right there. There's no shipping fee or nothing like that. You're paying that one price. I'll pay the shipping out of my pocket. Oh, I see. So I mean you're is looking there a at about name six for that? um drop shipping. Oh, okay. It's a drop shipping type business right now, but it's I'm gonna look to move forward from that. As time goes on and as I grow, I want to have my own warehouse, building the boards and all that stuff. I want to do. I want to provide jobs and have everything in house. Sure. Do you get a? You like making the boards yourself? I uh, see. I've only made one growing up, one yeah. from scratch with the vinyl, the glue, and all that, and it was through a um, vacuum seal styrofoam press. Okay. It's a very cheaply designed press, but it only cost me 175 bucks to make three boards. Did that Not- when I was in high school. Now I kind of want to get a big industrial size press. Sure, you want to upgrade. Mm-hmm. I like. Uh, you ever see that Forged in Fire show? I have. That's yeah. one of my favorite shows, honestly. <laughs> I like I, it because you know these guys. They have these. Uh, they'll work at home. They'll do. They'll do their forges on, on the show, but then they'll go home to their home forge, and you see how little they're working with, mm-hmm. and how they can do so much with even with what they have. And I think that's always interesting. It's like a very minimal kind of set of tools. And, I'm, uh, I'm a big MacGyver that you way. You can like, do so much with it, mm-hmm. you know. You can turn anything into something else if you think hard enough. Yeah. Outside the box. Absolutely. And that's what FXBG Public Radio is all about. And so hopefully we can get you involved. Maybe get some of those uh, videos for your skate parks. Definitely. Definitely. I have uh, I got my local park video coming out soon. I also have have a my first how-to skate video, How to Ollie. I got that coming out very soon. <laughs> it's probably good. Start at the beginning, huh? Yeah. I they taught even son how to Ollie in two hours. Oh, wow. And he's got it really. He's got it locked down. And why do you think it could take me t- only one hour to learn it? Because he had absolutely no skateboard experience whatsoever. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You know, when uh, 
back in the day, I knew it was like the, having a custom skateboard is a real important to a lot of skaters. And, you know, they were so smug about it. That's why I fought a lot of skaters back in the day. And so, <laughs> but because they would make fun of me because I have the store-bought mm -hmm. skateboard and the, the, the rails and the trucks, are all they're all like standard you know mm -hmm. it didn't have any special i didn't make any modifications to it didn't customize it to make it your own kind of you just absolutely. got a bottom stock and so they're kind of it's kind of clickish in that way it's like guys who did that and guys who didn't do that and so uh but i mean i do understand i was at a kid i just you know because i sucked at it you mm -hmm. know i couldn't ollie you know i didn't really like skateboarding as much as i liked riding bikes and so uh and i didn't get into the whole like creative in the things i make mm -hmm. kind of way until later in life, until after puberty, really, is when I started writing. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just bringing back a lot of memories of the 80s, man. So <laughs> we didn't I, have skate parks, you know? I see, that's, I'm like, even the one I grew up with down here in, like, yeah. it's was directly behind Caroline High School, which is the high school I went to here. And for the longest part, when I was in middle school, when I first moved here, so I was 12, so, God, yeah. almost 10 years ago now, a little over 10 years. It was just nothing but a flat concrete uh, slab yep. with a fence behind it before they added yep. everything. Yep. Uh, old tennis courts is where we used to skate, and that's it. I like that's. <laughs> I kind of prefer it sometimes. Like I always love a good skate park, but I dance on a skateboard basically. I don't do anything crazy. I'm well, very yeah. technical. Yeah, I mean it takes a different type of riding, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, I want to get into the rest of my show, and I'm sure you want to go talk to EK. So this is a Dang, real pleasure thank you so seeing much. You. Hopefully we'll work, work, we will uh, work together again soon. Yes, sir. Definitely. Absolutely. And hopefully you get sell some skateboards. Hopefully. Hey, like I said, oldhouseskateboards.com. You guys also on YouTube. Check those out. Instagram at oldhousesk8. All right. Thank cool you so deal, much. Man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> talk to you. You grab take the chair with you? Yep. Get that. Thanks, buddy. All right. I'm Now I'm taking over the show. It's all me. I can dominate the conversation now. It's my show anyway. I'm the madman. Let's get into it. So I watched this movie called All Is Lost. It's a 2013 movie starring Robert Redford. Uh, and I'll be honest, it's been a long time since I've screened so much at the screen, screen during a movie. It's been a minute since I hated a character so much and couldn't wait for him to die. The plot is fairly basic. It's one of those survival at sea stories. Now it's sort of like Castaway, that Tom Hanks flick where there is very little dialogue and 99% of the story has to be told visually, which is sort of the point of, the, of film. But if you need dialogue in a film to enjoy, the, enjoy it, then this isn't a movie for you. First and foremost, never go out to sea alone. This is how people disappear at sea. Some people, some people want to think that aliens abduct lone sailors, but it's much more likely that some moron got washed overboard. And Robert Redford's character in this one, uh, in this, is one such moron. I can't believe how stupid this guy is. The movie basically opens up with his yacht running into a cargo container while he was sleeping. Sleeping with no one at the helm. Sure, you can secure the helm, but there could be, I don't know, a cargo container that fell overboard that could breach your hull. And that's why you need at least two people working port and starboard. You need 24-hour watch at sea. The idiot. Anyway, the breach is above the waterline, but as the ship rolls, water comes in and each and every time it rolls to port. So immediately after the breach, <coughs> water starts pouring in. <coughs> he does do the right thing to remove the ship from the container, but it takes him a real long time to get to pumping water out and patching the hole in the hull. He even tried to recover his laptop before starting to do the most important things. 
So eventually he starts patching the hull, but stops halfway through to pump some of the water out. And the manual pump didn't even have a handle on it, so he had to make one out of a mop handle or something. Then after that, he goes to sleep with a half-patch hull and half his boat filled with water. Maybe it's just a Navy in me, but what the hell? 15 minutes into this movie, and I start wondering if Robert Redford's character is just suicidal. Finally, he gets it patched, the hole patched up, and he pumps all the water out and continues on his way. He doesn't seem to turn directly towards the nearest port. I saw no effort to change course. Plus, his ra radio isn't working, probably because it, had the, it and the batteries had been soaking in salt water for two days. He tried sending an SOS call on the radio, so he clearly knew he was in trouble. But then again, he spends a lot of time below deck, not watching the horizon, as if he really thought it uh, was a dire situation. He also drinks a lot, too, but I don't consider that to be a fault. Sail uh, sailing sober is silly. But one day, while fixing the antenna on the mast, he spots a storm miles away. And any sailor worth his salt should know you should avoid a storm with a patched hull like that. You get plenty of warning time at sea when the storm comes in, and so you can steer away from it. But somehow the storm catches, him, catches up with him. Probably because he was farting around below deck, shaving. Seriously, he was shaving when this storm came up. He's, he's a I'm really starting to think that he's a suicidal and or guy rich enough to buy a yacht without the sense to know how to sail. I really hate this character. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, this guy is well equipped, and he's got plenty of stuff that one, one needs for this kind of situation. He's just an idiot and somewhat wasteful with his gear. Anyway, he gets knocked overboard in a storm, but he was smart enough to secure himself to the ship, so he climbs the line back up to the yacht. Lucky. And you know what he does after that? He goes down below again. Just die already, dude. Then some waves come and capsize the ship. Twice. The ship seems to right itself, but the mast is lost and broken. And now he officially pushed his luck. So obviously the next thing he does is go below, remove his foul weather gear, and gets knocked out when the ship takes another roll. What the actual hell? He comes to with another breach in the hull and thigh-high water below deck. Next he throws overboard a life raft secured by the line to the yacht. He inflates the raft and then abandons the ship for the life raft, but he remains tied to the sinking ship and falls asleep. Maybe he's narcoleptic. An idiot millionaire narcoleptic who ties his life raft to a sinking ship. Eventually, he cuts away from the yacht after his nap and he makes one more trip below deck for supplies. He's uber lucky that this ship didn't sink in the storm, which is now over. These are Jon Snow levels of luck. So the boat finally sinks, and he's stuck on the life raft. Life raft. One of the things he pulled off, the boat was a pretty nice modern sextant, which he learns to use since he has nothing else to do, so he's able to trap, track his position in his charts, hoping to drift into shipping lanes. Fezzik, you did something right. Don't worry, I won't let it go to my head. Then another storm comes up upon him, and he has no choice this time to get pulled into it. Then the storm flips his raft. Now it, it seems like his work, luck is working backwards. But he is able to flip the raft back over. But this moron didn't, get his, uh, didn't close the air vent on his emergency drinking water and it gets corrupted by salt water while this raft was flipped. I laughed out loud when he noticed that. And I said aloud, I can't wait for you to die. 
<laughs> so he does run across a couple of container ships and is able to, able to use his limited flares in an attempt to get rescued. But the sad truth is most of those ships are computerized, unlike your sun, sunken yacht, and being spotted is not very likely. The last thing he does is sets a fire in his rubber inflatable raft in hopes of being spotted. I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but it's been a long time since I've been, been this angry at a film. So, Madman, how would you rate this film, All Is Lost 2013, starring Robert Redford? Nine of 13 stars. I can't help but think of Russell Crowe throwing a Gladius at me and screaming, Are you not entertained? Yes, I was entertained. And it, it also makes me, it reminds me of a demotivational poster I had where it had half a sunken ship and it said underneath it said, Mistakes. It could be that the purpose of your life is to serve as a warning to others. So it's a pretty good film. A good film about a stupid, stupid man. Let me wet my whistle. Mm. Uh, so there was something I did in uh, when I had just a website. I had a website called The Wasteland. It's not there anymore. I haven't paid for that in years. It was like the first website I ever made. And... Uh, I used to do this thing called Wasteland Woman of the Week, where I just write a little article, you know, say a few things about a hot chick or an interesting hot character I liked or something like that. It's like, you know, I'd, I'd pick things like, you know, the Baroness <laughs> from <laughs> from uh, Cobra, you know, the G.I. Joe cartoons. It's like, why was she so awesome and badass? So uh, maybe I should start bringing it back just to show that, you know, you can respect and love women and stuff like that. Even if you want to think I'm a sexist or something like that. And maybe something I'll say during this segment you'll make, may make you think I'm a sexist. But uh, we're, we may start doing this regularly, but this is the woman of the week. Rachel Tikotin. Tikotin? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I never met her personally. And it's like, how do you pronounce that, man? Rachel Tikotin. <clears throat> now, I'll be honest with you. What happened was, is I was watching Con Air again. Okay? <laughs> Which is kind of a silly, fun, ridiculous kind of awesome movie <laughs> so uh and she's in that and uh and i just uh, started thinking about her again because she's been in a lot of like my uh, really good movies that i like like total recall and con air and falling down you know and so um you know i was thinking about how you know it's it's okay to be that women can be pretty and tough you know and her characters that she plays are usually that kind of character you, you know pretty and tough and that's, I think that's a good thing. But you know what? In a lot of those roles that she played, she was also kind of an old school, tough woman, you know, in the sense that, you know, you could be, you could be tough and kind, you know, you could be, you know, scary or dangerous, yet merciful, you know, you, you could be a, a real hard nosed stickler kind of person, but still very sociable. You know, and I think that there's there's something that's kind of lost in modern uh, entertainment writing when it comes to women. And I think that, you know, too many of them are uh, uh, like the worst boss you ever had. You know, you go to you go to work and it's like you think that these guys you think that these guys uh, get the jobs because they're assholes. And it's like they get those, those jobs be, despite the fact that they're assholes, you know. But and so, so uh, too often in modern uh, entertainment, you'll see female characters being written or acted or portrayed in a way that they're, you know, real cold and mean, especially to, like, males and stuff like that, and uh, confrontational, 
I mean, it's one thing to think that, you know, a 110-pound woman could fight off like a guy the size of a football player, you know. I'm not saying that women can't do those kinds of jobs. What I'm saying is that, you know, you can be tough, but uh, even if you're in that position, you don't have to be a hard nose all the time. You could be feminine and a tough cop. You know, you could be feminine and be a, a, <laughs> a noble prostitute like she was in Total Recall. You know, uh, uh, faction resistance leader. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's okay to be like that. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, taking a lot of these what are basically like negative aspects of male, of male, uh, the way they act in positions of power and authority, taking the most negative traits of those men, those types of men who have been in those positions and applying it to a woman seems unnatural and wrong, you know, because even if I were in a position, if I were a cop, I would try, I would try not to be a dick, you know, <laughs> you know, try to re retain my sense of humor, you know. And so, I mean, uh, and if, if I was a resistance leader, you know, yeah, I'd want to, you know, do my best in that job. But, you know, I don't even know. I don't, can't think of a metaphor for that. <laughs> but my point is that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of negative aspects about leadership in general. And if, and if men have created that kind of standard, you know, that doesn't mean that's the way it should be. It's like you can't, you can't believe that every boss you ever had was a, a good person or that's the way you become successful be a good cop you'd be a good resistance leader whatever it is you're doing you know the, you could there's a lot of bad examples of how to do those jobs because sometimes you know there's good leaders and bad leaders in every situation and you know we should all strive for that regardless of our gender you know we should all strive to be better people in those positions and so taking negative aspects you got to acknowledge those negative aspects of men, you know, who are real assholes and stuff like that. You can't just mimic that and think that that's, that's some sort of authority comes with that. You can be beautiful and tough. You can be smart and sexy. It's okay. All right. I got one more thing that I want to talk about before we get into the news worth knowing. <coughs> uh, EK's out there talking to Robert, so I don't know if he'll come in and do the stinger, but we can skip it. We can skip it. Anyway, so... um. This is one of those things that makes me love Americans, particularly West Virginian Americans. Because I, I was thinking about this the other day because uh, last time I went to West Virginia, uh, uh, I was talking to this guy and he's like, oh, where, where are you from? And he goes, well, um, you know how West Virginia looks like this? I was like, yeah, of course. He's like, I live somewhere around here. And sometimes there's people who ask, I live somewhere around here. I live somewhere around here. You know, it's... It, it, that's that's how they'll show you where they're from in West Virginia, and there's just one of those little little tiny features that you find in many many states of the Union, where it's uh, <laughs> where you can't help but love the American spirit, you know, and it always it always makes me feel good about Americans in general because I know that we are uh, kind of unruly unrulable in many ways, and so I think that the more that I think that the governments of the world try to become oppressive. And stuff like that. I think that there's going to be little pockets like West Virginia that'll uh, be full of people who are just, you know, screw all that. Screw all that. If you're listening to the audio podcast, you're missing it. Go to the YouTube channel. Check it out. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's what I love about Americans is that, you know, in, in many ways, there's only so far you can push them. They, we, you know, we let these clowns in Washington play around way too much at this point. And usually it has to get pretty bad before, you know, uh, uh, we have to set them straight. And that's usually by a landslide vote. Unfortunately, we got to deal with the uh, consequences of making a very poor decision 
in the last couple of elections. Hopefully in the new next couple of elections, there'll be a landslide and maybe we can get a little bit closer to normal. All right. Because a lot of this stuff is getting way out of control. But I mean, there's tons of Americans in West Virginia. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it sums up, it's even like in, in Virginia. In Virginia, on the state flag, it's six separatists. You know, we're not into tyranny. Americans are not into tyranny. That's how America was founded. There's some king thousands of miles away and his courtesans and stuff like that asking for more, more money. <clears throat> more money than we are taxed today, by the way, percentage-wise, okay? No, I'm sorry, this, uh, less money than we, are, than we are taxed today. We are taxed more than we were back then when they started the revolution. <laughs> Think about that for a second. <clears throat> but God bless West Virginians. I love you. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. So, uh, it's not exactly a top news story. And I'm kind of surprised that uh, it's yeah, uh, not uh, in, the, in, the, in the news or focused on in the news the way that, like, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Or even that, uh, that Ahmed Aubrey trial. Anyway, so um, I actually had to go to CNN for this one. So, accuser testifies Ghislaine Maxwell told her she had had a great body for Epstein and his friends when she was 14. This is from CNN. Uh, Carolyn said she was just 14 years old when she began to go to Jeffrey Epstein's home in Palm Beach, Florida, two or three times a week in the early 2000s. On one visit, Carolyn was setting, uh, setting up a massage room for Epstein with his longtime companion Ghislaine Maxwell came into the room. Maxwell touched Carolyn's breasts, hips, and butt, and commented that she had a great body for Epstein and his friends. That's a quote. Had a great body for Epstein and his friends, according to Carolyn. Each time she visited, $300 in cash was left with her, left for her on the bathroom sink, she said. But it was not without a cost, obviously. Quote, something sexual happened every single time, Carolyn said. Now in her 30s, Carolyn described her teenage experience with Epstein on Tuesday in Maxwell's federal trial on charges, including sex trafficking of minors. At one point on the stand, Carolyn sobbed when prosecutor uh, Maureen Comey asked if she was trying to get, her, get money for her testimony. Quote, no money would never, will not ever fix what that woman has done to me, Carolyn said, sobbing, because what she did was wrong and it takes vulnerable young girls and traffics them, and I'm so petrified that my daughters are going to be trafficked. Carolyn is the third woman to testify that she was sexually abused by Epstein and that Maxwell was involved. A woman identified as Kate testified Monday that Maxwell set up those sexual meetings and a woman identified as Jane said uh, last week that Maxwell sometimes joined in on the sexualized massages. Ugh, this this article really turned to my stomach. Maybe we'll do a shorter show today. But uh, you know that where this is going. This doesn't seem very good <laughs> for the whole story and there's I'm, su I'm surprised that, you know, a lot, a lot of people aren't talking about this. And you know how it is in our society. There's tons of people out there shouting, you know, going to the Walmart counters. And they're saying, yes, I'm looking for uh, my friend Epstein. <laughs> you know, didn't kill himself. <laughs> and they'll have an announcement, oh, announcement, Epstein didn't kill himself. Stuff like that. People are saying it every now and then, you know, and it's it's hard to believe, isn't it, that he act, he just killed himself and not some very rich pedophile, you know? And you can sit there and say it's like, you know, uh, the, accepting the money, that's just ugh, the whole trying to accuse him, well, you took the money. And I was like, that's different if she's an adult. 
you know if you're 18 and above and you do that kind of stuff and you take money that's i don't know that's 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 pretty much on you but if you're a minor you know that is definitely a crime and so forth and it's just despicable to think that you know because she was making money she put up with it you know yeah in her teenage mind she by the time you're a teenager you know money's real important in the world you know and so i'm just surprised that i had to go to cnn you know i'm kind of disappointed at fox you know, not, not covering this as as heavily as other people are makes you look suspicious you know, and, and you know why these people are like, they're trying to hide so much is because they know how wrong it is. And they know how it infuriates people who do that kind of thing. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, Oxford school shooter officials could be charged in the deadly Michigan, Michigan shooting, says the prosecutor. So, uh, Michigan school officials could still face charges following the tragic Oxford High School shooting last week that left four students dead and seven other people injured. Quote, it's possible, yes, Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald said on NBC's Today Show when she was asked if it was possible that school officials could face charges. She did not elaborate further on the comments. Now details on how the school handled the suspected shooter Ethan Crumbly emerged this weekend when Oxford Community School Superintendent Tim Thorne sent a letter to the school community. The letter explained that on the day of the school shoot of the shooting, school leaders met with Crumbly and her parent and his parents following a teacher seeing a violent drawing made by Crumbly. He, however, convic uh, convinced the school that the drawings were for a video game, and he was ultimately sent back to class. Quote, on the morning of November 30th, a teacher observed concerning drawings and written statements that have been detailed in media reports. When the teacher reported to school counselors that the de and the dean of students. The student was immediately removed from the classroom and brought to the guidance counselor's office, office where he claimed the drawing was part of a video game and he was designing and informed that he was designing and informed counselors that he planned to pursue the video game design as a career. The letter states. Yeah, that's how you trick a guidance counselor. <laughs> Quote, at no time did counselors believe that the student might, might harm others based upon his behavior, responses, and demeanor, which appeared calm. In addition, despite media reports, whether or not the gun was in his backpack has not been confirmed by law enforcement to our knowledge, nor by our investigation at this time, the letter continued. The letter added that Crumbly's parents were told uh, to take their son home that day, but they, flat, they, quote, flatly refused and left without their son, apparently to return to work. The school also reportedly told the parents that they had 48 hours to find counseling for the son or the school would contact Child Protective Services. Uh, school officials were also allegedly not aware of the family's recent gun purchase, which was reported, reportedly used in the shooting, and, and, the, and Crumbly was returned to class. Quote, we, while we understand this decision has caused anger, confusion, and prompted un understandable questioning, the counselors made a judgment on how their professional training and clinical experience and did not have that, all the facts that we, know, we now know. Our counselors are deeply committed, long-standing school members who have dedicated their lives to supporting students and addressing students' mental health and behavioral issues, the letter continued. A third party uh, will investigate how Crumbly interacted with the school employees and peers ahead of the shooting, according to the letter. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel tweeted on Sunday that she offered, quote, the services of the Mich Michigan Department of Attorney General to conduct a full and comprehensive review of the shooting. The possibility of charges for the school board, uh, the school officials, comes after Ethan Crumbly's parents, James and Jennifer Crumbly, were both charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter each. 
They were apprehended on Sunday morning, uh, Saturday morning after an extensive manhunt when they didn't show up for their arraignment on Friday. Each count is punishable by up to 15 years in prison and or a $7,500 fine. They both pleaded not guilty. Their son is promptly was promptly arrested the day of the shooting and later charged with one count of terrorism causing death, four counts of first-degree murder, seven counts of assault with an intent to murder, and 12 counts of possession of a fire firearm in the commission of a felony. Pleaded, he pleaded not guilty and is being held without bond. Anyway, so um, this is obviously a very big story, a very concerning story. All right. Now, uh, here's the thing. Um, when they described this, this picture that he drew, it's a picture of a gun, I, I, as I understand. They didn't really talk about it in this article. It was a picture of a gun, and he literally wrote the words, help me or need help or something like that. He literally wrote those words down. And they took him to the guidance counselor's office, you know. And so I just don't understand, like, when a kid draws a picture of a gun and says, like, help me, and, like, the world's awful and stuff like that, that's oddly familiar to me. I remember being a high school student and feeling like you know, in the first throes of my young depression, you know. You'd have those thoughts. You'd have those thoughts. It's like, if I could get a hold of a gun, you know. You'd have those thoughts, all right. I understand that. And so if, you, if he literally writes, help me on paper, you know, I think that, you know, definitely he should be talking to the guidance counselor. And maybe the guidance counselor should have pushed a little further. Perhaps they should have searched his property. All right. I know you want to talk about something about the Fourth, uh, fourth Amendment, but let me tell you something. When you're in a public school, I, I don't consider you to be, if you're a student at a public school under 18 years old, I don't necessarily consider you to be a full American yet. So you don't necessarily have those rights. All right. So I mean, we could argue about that some other time. But what I'm saying is that for the sake of everybody there, he should have been searched. We had, a, a, I know school resources officers, you know, the they don't have the budgets of the police department these days to actually have SROs at every school. But, you know, my school had security. And if there's some sort of issue of a kid drawing a gun in my high school, I would hope that the security guard and the guidance counselor would search the kid's locker, search the kid's book bag. If he drove a car, check the car. You know? So definitely I think that, you know, there is some culpability involved in the school in terms of failing that kid. And thus failing much more kids that ended up in the loss of life. What kind of charges do they have? They should they get? I don't know. They should be lesser than the guy who actually pulled the trigger. And I think that's the point, especially when it comes to the parents. You know, they, yeah, you can in, in, in charge them. I sounded like pig there. Uh, you can charge them with involuntary manslaughter. But doesn't uh, if he's also charged with that murder? Can you be involved or isn't it something? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But it should be like accessory or something. I would think a different charge would be in order there with the parents. Because they definitely failed him. You know, I understand, you know, you got to work. You got to make money. I get that. I really do. But, I mean, you're, if your kid's hurting like that, and you know he has access to a gun, you, at least one of you should take the day off of work and watch him. You know, talk it out with him. Because that's apparently what the kid needs. He needed a little love, a little attention. That's what he needed. And it's just, it's, it's a shame that it got to that point where he, he felt the only thing, only way he could matter is if by committing a heinous crime. And kids shouldn't be growing up thinking that. They shouldn't be growing up thinking that, you know, um, I'm male, I'm white, I'm the oppressor. I'm awful. So why not just take everyone, as many people as I can out with me? You know? I know what it's like to be, you know, a frustrated teenage kid because so many people go through this kind of stuff. 
but there's logistical things that you need to do for the security of a school when some kid starts acting like that or drawing something like that. I think art matters. Art does convey emotion. All right? So something should have been done. I don't think it should be... I think I could argue with you about the charges, I suppose. But I think definitely this kid should be tried like an adult. I mean, I think you understand exactly what you did, young man. Absolutely. All right, so let's go on to this next story. Uh, Fairfax County Library puts genderqueer and lawn boy next to Bible in the holiday reading display. <laughs> so a library in Fairfax County, Virginia, created a book display featuring the notorious books genderqueer and lawn boy, which parents claim uh, feature pedophilia and obscene material alongside the Bible, but later removed the display after residents called it offensive. Quote, the Dolly Madison Library holiday reading display was intended to highlight the freedom to read and the fact that many uh, library patrons have more time to, uh, during the holidays to do so. Fairfax County Public Library Director Jessica Hudson told Fox News in a statement t Tuesday, quote, it is not the intention of the staff to create a display that could be construed as offensive. The display has been removed. Uh, the display uh, featured gnomes with stocking style hats paired with the books. No nobody's saying that it didn't look cool. It's just the, the selection of the novels, you know, what you do. The gnomes, anyway, with uh, lawn boy and queer, queer, uh, genderqueer had bees in their stocking hats, while the gnome with the Bible had a rainbow-colored hat, along with other rainbow paraphernalia. The display also featured quotes from controversial books such as Salman Rushdie's Satanic Verses. <laughs> lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison includes long sections about a boy re uh, reminiscing about expli explicit experiences he had at 10 years old. Genderqueer memoir by Maya Kobabe includes fo uh, photos of sexual acts between a boy and a man. Concerned parents have spoken up at Fairfax County uh, School Board meetings to protest the book's presence in the school libraries. But the school district reinstated the books after two committees ruled that they do not contain pedophilia or obscene material. A, lo a lot of school boards... I'm going to stop writing this article because it gets gross. All right. Um, a, lot of, a lot of school boards, you know, all over the uh, country, I think, are having these conversations about some of these books that they find in school. Now, this display that they put up, I mean, let's be honest. It's like, this kind of stuff has always been about spitting in the eye of God. That's what it's always about, if you ask me. This kind of stuff, like, when you talk about, like, pedophilia and stuff like that, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, that's trying to punch God in the face. It's so evil, you know? And you put out, like, content like that to kids that age, you know, you're, it's like distributing pornography to kids. And the whole point of putting the, putting the two, uh, putting the Bible up there with a rainbow colored thing is is a mockery. It's a mockery of religion and a mockery of God. And you know what? There's uh, I don't want to get you know too crazy about this, but I mean it's uh, uh, I think a lot of homosexual guys and girls they hate hate God. They hate the concept of religion. They hate the religious. All right. And I think that's kind of what, that's what they're doing. That's the whole point of what they're doing, is trying to spit in the eye of God. Anyway, let's go on to the next story. We'll go off on a theological rant. Anyway, uh, so Jesse Smollier, Jussie Smollier, Jussie Smollett, how do you spell it? How do you say his name? J-U-S-S, I think it's Jussie. Jussie Smollett. Anyway, his testimony was an, quote, unparalleled disaster. Jerry will see through his, quote, ruse. And convict them, say the experts. <laughs> you don't say. 
<laughs> uh, Jesse Smollett made the conscientious decision to testify in his own defense against allegations from prosecutors in Chicago that the actor sta staged a vile hate crime against himself with the assistance of his two associate, of his associates, brothers Abimbola and Olambingo Asundario, who allege he paid them to carry out the fake hate crime back, on, back in 2019. While the former Empire performer gave a whirlwind testimony over the course of two days, uh, that saw Smollett vehemently state in no uncertain terms that the allegations are 100% false, despite of what the brothers previously testified. Some legal experts believe Smollett did himself no favors and likely hurt his defense by taking the stand. Quote, Smollett te uh, testifying in his own defense is one of two things, or maybe both. Uh, Cole, a narcissistic criminal defendant who is doubling down on this charge lies to law enforcement or defense attorneys who know that they're way behind in throwing a low probability Hail Mary to try and get their client off. Former U.S. attorney Niyama Rahmani, who is not involved in Smollett's case, told Fox News Digital. Uh, Rahmani added, quote, either way, Smollett's story was a bizarre attempt at focusing, a, uh, forcing a square peg into a round hole by offering every other possible explanation for the state's digital evidence except uh, the most obvious one. Quote, that he is guilty. <laughs> In the uh, unlikely event that he is acquitted, Smollett's decision was a genius move, but it's far more likely that the jury sees through his ruse and real Smollett is convicted. So it, if so, the judge will sentence him to prison for, uh, for obstructing justice and, per and perjuring himself on the witness stand. So, yeah. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna officially call you a liar. <laughs> James White, a high-powered attorney in Michigan who is not uh, involved in the Smollett case, echoed Rahmani's Rah uh, comments that the actor's testimony was nothing more than an unparalleled disaster, while noting that he believes Smollett will not only hurt his case, but he also went beyond uh, went beyond and made the prosecutor's case in the process. Anyway, so uh, I don't want to get into the details of what he did with these guys, but, you know, whatever. You know, if that's how you want to live your life, and consenting, consenting adults, I don't care. I don't care. You know, but um, it, it, it's funny because you know he's he's still trying to say this wasn't fake. It was still how at what point? Why can't people just say I'm sorry? I screwed up. This got out. This got out of hand. You know, I didn't think it'd go this far. You just look like an awful, awful person, Jesse. An awful person. I mean. How rich do you need to be? I mean, being a paid actor, if I had that, I'll feel I'll figure I'd be living the dream. You know? But no one wants to cast me in a movie. Too fat. Okay, let's go with this. How, how far am I? Yeah, we got a you know two more stories. I'd like to end on a happier note. So, a uh, Tennessee school bus driver speaks out after strong winds flipped vehicle while he was still inside. Wasn't it windy on Monday? There was a lot of wind on Monday. Anyway, a Tennessee school bus driver said he is thinking, is, uh, is thinking, quote, the good Lord, I'm still here, after strong winds flipped over his vehicle while he was still inside. The incident happened Monday in Trostdale County as Don Robinson was preparing his bus for the daily route, according to WZTV. It just, it just all of a sudden, the rain came on real hard, and then the wind, and the bus started shaking then. And I just thought, well, you know, it's just shaking a little bit. <laughs> it, went up, it went on and rolled over, and I said, 
Well, I can ride it, he told the station. <laughs> uh, Robinson added that he didn't have a seatbelt on since he was warming up the bus, warming up the bus on his property, and that no children were inside at the time it flipped over. WZTV reported. That's why this one is funny. No, no kids, just a bus driver. And he has a good sense of humor about it, I think. Uh, footage captured by the station also showed that the camper, a camper landed on top of the school bus. Goodness. They got photos of it. Check it out. It's like riding one of those rides at the fair, you know. It slings you out. And just You just ride it. Robinson told WZTV. It wasn't bad. I've been in a wreck before. I just rode it out. That's all you could do. Yeah, that's all I could do. He said his grandson who lives with him uh, had to help uh, pull him out of the vehicle. He escaped without injury. That's why it's funny. It's okay to laugh at. But the, uh, but the siding on his house was torn off from severe weather, amongst other damage on his property. So it didn't just mess up his ride. <laughs> his bus. It messed up. There's a camper. Could possibly be his. Maybe a neighbor's. <laughs> camper's done. Siding get pulled off his house. Quote, I thank the good Lord for being here. I lost a couple of my horses. Jeez, he lost horses too. Robinson said to WZTV. I got a lot of damage around, and it's just what it is. It's just part of life, I guess. I just thank the good Lord I'm still here. It's like, it's, it's kind of almost like Job. You know, it's like the whole story of Job was probably written in a, after a storm like that. But, you know, that's what's dangerous about those, like, uh, those campers and, uh, like, empty school buses. Because they have big, long sides, you know, they can catch a gust of wind and just, they can really flop them, uh, fly them, you know, flop them over. Uh, I'm sure you can find videos on YouTube of some people driving down the, you know, empty, empty uh, 18-wheelers, you know. <laughs> you know, good gust of wind on a highway, <laughs> flip the whole truck. Anyway. You should always thank God when you, <laughs> you, you you luck out like that, you know. Absolutely. Let's get into this last story. So, uh, library book returned after 110 years in Idaho. The library's in Idaho. It wasn't returned to Idaho. I don't know. It may have been anywhere. It may have been all over the world in 110 years. Anyway, uh, it's never too late to return a lost library book. And that's what the Boise Public Library let its patrons know when a, book returned, when a book returned to its facility more than a century later. The book in question, quote, uh, I'm sorry, The New Chronicles of Rebecca by Kate Douglas Wiggin is the sequel to Wiggin's first fictional novel, novel Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. Both books were published in the early 20th century, in 1903 and 1907. And it followed the life of Rebecca Rowena Randall, who grew up, grows up in rural Maine. According to the book's internal library slip, the book had been borrowed by a total of 15 times, uh, people, I suppose, before it went missing from the Carnegie Public Library. Quote, New Chronicles of Rebecca, originally checked out from Boise Carnegie Public Library in 1910, was recently returned. The Idaho-based library wrote in a social media announcement. With a fine of two cents per day for 11 years, whoever checked out this book would owe $803. Thank goodness the Boise Public Libraries are now fine free. <laughs> They're mad about that money lost. You could have had 800 bucks, library. Anyway, the person who borrowed the book last appears to have checked it out in 1911, according to the photos the library sh shared. At the time, overdue books were subject to a late fee of two cents per day, but the Boise Public Library eliminated the late fees in 2019. That's what they were waiting for. It took a while to find out the news. It's like, oh, I could turn this in now. 
Anyway, the resident who found uh, the coming-of-age novel initially returned it to the Garden City Public Library in Ada County, but the book made its way to the Boise Public Library, the library social media manager wrote in response to a Twitter inquiry. A spokesperson for the Boise Public Library told Fox News that the person who returned the book has yet to identify themselves, just in case you change your mind about the fee. <laughs> but the library's team is, quote, so happy that, that others have found this to be as cool as we do. Libraries throughout the county, the country are waiving or eliminating late fees to encourage borrowers to return overdue books. You know, it's probably a good time for the libraries to do that. They know people aren't reading anymore. Might as well collect them while you have them to become like a museum. Because <laughs> it's kind of what they are now already. You know, it's kind of a, a museum. You know, it, it's, it's a shame, too, because, you know, we should never lose those kinds of those things, those books. Because, you know, God forbid there's a power outage, you know. <laughs> still want to be able to learn. Still want to be able to remember knowledge, you know, stuff like that. If there's something you need to do, you know, and you don't have Wi-Fi. In a post-apocalyptic world, no Wi-Fi. How are you going to look up how to survive? Google, search for survival skills. <laughs> it's not working. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I like that. Waving, waving the fines, getting those books back. You know, it makes me wonder if, like, my books, the old books I have, may grow in value over, over the time. You know, I mean, comic books are interesting in that way. It's like... Um, uh, comic books are more valuable generally than uh, than books. You have to have it like a really old book before it starts getting valuable. But you have like comic books of similar value, and they came out in like 1960 something or 1940 something. They'd still be more valuable than some book from 1910. <laughs> That's interesting. Anyway, this is going to be the end of the show. I want to remind you to go over to Patreon.com/slash/ShockMonkeyRadio, become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. I also have a cash app, so if you want to cash out me money, use the hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio. All one word, I would appreciate that. You can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. And you can you ask me some questions, you want to talk to me, I'll read a mailbag sometime. Put it up, uh, Make a little video where I read, uh, read all your emails and answer them. And I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, this has been ShockMonkeyRadio. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>